Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. Goodness. It was so encouraging. Um, actually, hope came to me. Uh, hope is the, the name of the, the girl leading uh, this morning, if you were confused on who I'm talking about. She came to me after our huddle and said, hey, I want you to know the, the reason I'm here. God has done something in my life was because of that sermon that you're, you're talking about. Uh, in fact, it was over a year ago. It was, it was in January, uh, maybe even February. No, it was in February, possibly. I don't know. But what I do know is it was that next Tuesday that we got a phone call and we had to pack up everything and leave the YMCA. So like <laughs> I, revisiting those emotions was fun this week. Um, but I, I taught on repentance. It was the start of Lent. And I don't know if you, you've ever celebrated Lent. It's the 40 days until Easter, and it has this heartbeat of repentance, uh, of, of, of preparing the way, of preparing our hearts for the, the Savior who came in victory. And so uh, I taught on repentance, and we did a whole miracles study. And so that was the, the structure of it. But this morning, you've walked in on week four. Maybe you're, you're brand new, and this is your first week. Maybe you've been here before but haven't been in a while. Uh, don't worry you can sit in and still like track with us. All right, but this is week four of a series. We've called it Moving Forward, Moving Forward. And uh, it's all about spiritual growth. Uh, It is all about actually saying, hey, I'm gonna take this being a disciple of Jesus and I'm gonna actually live this out. It's not gonna be a Sunday to Sunday, like just uh, with my voice kind of thing. It's gonna be in me, through me, in all areas. And so that's actually our last core value. If you're with us, here's a little plug. Uh, If you want to stick with us for lunch, there will be food, and uh, I would love to get to know you, all right? We'll have a time of Q&A. You'll get to meet my wife and I. Uh, We'll sort of share, like, the values of Glory Church, the vision, overall vision, and, and, and give you an opportunity to get to know us, but the last value is that we move forward. We will never be a church stuck in our ways, but we're the hands of the potter, and he's always molding us, right? So there's this this movement that is necessary. We're not going to move on from things. We're going to move forward with the Lord in them. And so we've been in this fun little thing, and last week uh, we opened the can of worms of freedom what freedom is. And I, I taught over what I, what I just spoke to you earlier in that prayer where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And all of us, right, with unveiled faces, we don't, we don't hide anything. In fact, Paul says, like, uh, I don't need to hide anything. Because honestly, like, uh, he has chan- transformed me. And every time I show that degree of glory that I'm in, his people get edified, he gets glorified. Like, he, Paul literally says, we commend ourselves. We're not like Moses who hid as, as the glory was fading. No, we show in vulnerability. And so we're taking that idea and stepping forward a little bit more because one thing I know to be true <laughs> is that uh, it is really good to be vulnerable with community, right? It's really good to say, hey, this is where I'm at. But I think we all know the people who who blast their problems, but there's no repentance. And so vulnerability without repentance is just like, uh, you know, just lip share, right? It's just like blah, blah, blah. It's just showing a burden that is never actually have any remorse to it. And so it's one thing to be vulnerable with our community, 
But freedom is found through this awkward word, which you've heard, repentance, right? Repentance. And it's this uh, not-so-fun thing, but everything that we've spoken about so far leads us to repentance. We've talked about uh, hearing the voice of the Lord. We've talked about how he's going to call us forward. We've talked about how he wants to uh, change some lies. Uh, And we've talked about how he wants us to live in community with people and freedom. If you don't step into this word, none of that will happen. And that's why the power of this, now it's a scary word. I get it. It is a scary word. Uh, but I, if you bear with me, we're going we're gonna to dive into it together. Uh, and I'm so excited because as Hope said, we do have a definition of repentance that is more than, hey, Jesus, I'm sorry. That's not repentance. We, we do, I do have a definition of you for you this morning. And it's way more than saying, hey, will you help me not sin? Like, that's not repentance. So I'm excited to do that, but it's where Peter looks at a very Jewish crowd. Are you ready? He looks at a very Jewish crowd in Acts and says, hey, uh, you put Jesus on the cross. Peter, like, whew. It's like chapter three, and he says, you killed the author of life. Like, that's what he says to them. I'm like, whoa, Peter's blunt. He looks to these Jews and says, you killed the author of life. And then a couple verses after that, he says this. Repent, therefore, and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of God. Now, this is what I'm praying. Like, repentance leads to times of refreshing. And I think we all hunger for the refreshment, but never really, like, want to do the work of repentance, uh, right? I think we're all there. Uh, And that's obviously a a dual aspect of this. Peter's looking to a very Jewish audience who... uh, has turned away from God in the image of God being Jesus and literally said, crucify him, right? Like, so there was a real salvific repentance that they needed to do, right? But the interesting thing is throughout scripture, we also have this continuation of repentance, not just like, hey, Jesus saved my life, but now there's this, hey, Jesus, like, I realize that my relationship with you is strained right now, and I need to repent from a few things. And so it's not a salvific anything like anymore. It's not like justification, but it's sanctification. It says, I need to make things right with you. I need to make things right. If you talked about it, it's this uh, ongoing posture of actually living as a free person. As we, if we're free from our sins, if we are made right, we, in righteousness, get to now maintain a good relationship with the Father. And it's like me and my wife. Like, uh, if I wrong her, how do I maintain a good relationship with her? I say, sorry. I repent. We tend it. In fact, like, as we get into this, here, here's a beautiful picture of what we get to do as Christ followers. I'm going to take you back to the, the Garden of Eden, all right? Where Jesus and, and God and the Spirit together, they say, uh, Let's make man in our image. And then they make man, and it's good. God makes man, and man is good. Everything is good. And then he looks to good men, mankind, and what does he tell them to do? Hey, all of this is complete. All of this is perfect, but I need you to multiply, and I need you to cultivate it. In other words, what we see mapped out in the Garden of Eden is that God allows, he likes it, when complete things are made even more complete by his people. It's beautiful. Where he's like, hey, this is done. This is good. 
this, this plant is done, but I need you to cultivate it. You have an opportunity to make it multiplied. You multiply yourself. And so there's this beautiful imagery associated in the garden with what you and I now get to do as Christ followers. You've been made complete in him, unashamed. He's called you good. We were washed. I was washed But now I get the opportunity, like Adam and Eve did, to partner with God as I take what he made complete and cultivate it. That's powerful. God literally said, this is done, but I want you to join me as we make it more done. Like, that's cool. Like, this is cool. This is finished. But now I want you to occupy it, multiply in it, and make it beautiful. Like, that's really neat that we get to operate with the Lord in that way. And that's what sanctification does as well. This is, you're redeemed, you're new, but also I want you to partner with me as we take this forward, as we, as we allow what, that which is done internally to spread into our thoughts, our actions, our mindset, our relationships, and transform how we operate. And so it's really, really beautiful. Why do we repent? Because there's this uh, work of completion that God wants to do in my heart as I relate to him right? Uh, I repent because I need things right with dad, right? Like I repent because he's given me the opportunity to uh, keep moving forward with him. And there's a sin or a hurdle or a wrong belief or this perception that is contrary to him. And so I say, hey, God, I'm going to tend this. I'm going to cultivate this well. And I'm going to repent. But you see that the interesting thing, if you want to write this down, like this is a note on this side of salvation, repentance furthers the work of the kingdom. It does. It furthers the kingdom work of God in us and through us. This is why repentance is so necessary. You show me someone who's a believer who struggles with repentance, and I'll show you someone who is struggling to further the work of the kingdom of God. They are. They're not being very peaceful with their spouse. Like they're struggling with insecurities that the Lord is, is saying, I've already died for those. Uh, like he, I've already forgiven this. Anyone ever like always are slower to forgive yourself than uh, what like is commanded in scripture where it's like, hey, your sins were paid for on the cross. Uh, Colossians, like he put, he put it on the cross, made a public spectacle of the enemy as he was nailed to the cross. Like it is just, it's beautiful. But at the same time, you and I, we, we're a little slower to forgive, right? Ourselves. We're a little slower to believe that forgiveness. And that's the power of repentance, sanctification. And so I'm really excited. Honestly, I think we struggle to do it with sincerity because we like to say repentance is just like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I learned really quickly in my marriage, like repentance is more than I'm sorry, right? (laughs) Repentance is more than just saying, hey, I'm sorry for doing that. I won't do it anymore. That's not repentance. Repentance is so much more than saying, hey, that bad thing, help me not do it, Jesus. Or like, hey, will you help me forget those bad memories? Or like, I just don't want to act like that anymore, Jesus. So I'm sorry. Will you help me? That's good, but that's not repentance. Repentance is so much more. In fact, we often think that repentance is just this turning away from, right? We think repentance is just turning away from. A 180, I heard it talked about in Sunday school. This is a 180 from your sin, you're turning away from it. Okay, but that's only half. Because repentance is turning away from while intentionally turning to 
while you intentionally turn to. You turn away from while intentionally turning to where uh, Peter looks to the crowd and says, hey, uh, repent, turn to God. In other words, the God that you think that you are serving while you are yelling crucify him is not the God of Jacob, Isaac, Abraham. Like you thought you were serving God while you screamed crucify him, but you crucified the author of life. So like repent and turn to God, he says. Literally turn to God. You want to find refreshment? Turn to the author of life, the one that you crucified. Like it's just, it's crazy how he's like, I need you to see that the real God is not the one that you thought you were following. And so if you're really going to repent, we got to turn to he who made us, he who saved us, the Lord and so it's really beautiful. Uh, I know from experience, and maybe you guys know this too, that turning away from my sin only, it just leads me to a nastier version of that sin, right? Anyone else? Like, uh, just simply turning away from my sin just leads me either down a rabbit hole of self-reliance, or it leads me down a rabbit hole of just a, 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 a more uh, hidden version of that sin. Anyone else? Like, just stop, when I just try to stop sinning, then I keep doing other things that are either just as bad, but just a little bit more covert, right? Just as demeaning to the people around me, but they're just a little bit more covert. And that's not repentance. It isn't. So we'll, we'll say this practically. I have passage, and then we're going to have that definition, and then we're going to see it interacted in Psalm 51, all right? Like, I'm, I'm excited for this. Um, but I need you to know, like, here's a principle that is just matter of fact, that every change that we want to do, it demands an exchange, that every change we want in our life, it demands this exchange. And we know this practically, but when it comes to repentance, this is the same thing. I don't just say, hey, God, I'm sorry. But if I actually desire change, then it demands an exchange, meaning I'm choosing this over that. Some of you know this. If you say yes to a lot of your, on your plate, you're inevitably saying no to a lot of other things, right? Because anything we do, if we change our schedule, if we change anything, it's going to demand an exchange. If I say no, then it's going to leave me open to saying yes to something else. And a lot of times you say no to sin, but not be open to the Lord, and so you're just open to more sin. Does that make sense? Like, that's how it happens. So every change demands an exchange. Uh, but the interesting thing, and if you want to, <laughs> the problem that we run into, though, is we as believers like to define the exchange. We want to define it. And this is where, like, repentance has nothing to do with me defining what I need. Repentance is going to the God who has everything that I need. And so often we like to define the exchange. I'll say it this way. I don't struggle with lust anymore. How many of you ever heard of this? I don't struggle with lust anymore because we're just married. You just define the exchange. You had a problem, a sin problem. You thought uh, exchanging marriage for that sin problem will fix it. Anyone else like, uh, or there's more, right? Like the, another one, like I'm not doing that anymore. I've just decided to spend my time on more productive things. Or like, I, 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 I'm dealing with my trust issues. I'm just like not going around people who are untrustworthy. I'm like, okay, have fun with that. Have you ever met anyone? Uh, I'm, I'm dealing with this. 
like I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not angry anymore because I just focus on the good. That's that's exchanging one bad thing for a better thing, but never asking the Lord to change anything internally. And so that's our repentance. It, it's really interesting. We get in this problem. We want like I'll just delete all those apps and I'll spend my time in public places. Or I've heard like I just, just the change of scenery helps me not think about doing that anymore. But that's not, I can tell you countless evangelical Christians who have counseled, who have just worked on this practice of not sinning. And they've exchanged good things or bad things for better things and never asked the Lord to transform the areas of their heart that that original thing was touching. And that's real repentance. That's where scripture talks about all the time. Now, those things are good. If the Lord leads you to doing those things, do it. Like, that's what I'm saying. Those things aren't bad. If the Lord is saying, hey, you need to spend some, some least, least amount of time on your phone as possible, allow that to happen. But let it be to be from a transformed heart that you're already saying, like, God, change how I view the opposite sex so that when I open my phone, I don't go to that which I used to go to. But it's not a, a, a thing change. It's a heart change. It's a heart change. I've counseled too many. Like, I cannot be the one to define the exchange. I can't. So this morning, I have the working definition for you, but I just want to, like, uh, piggyback off of last week. If you know, one of my favorite books, uh, I like Colossians, but Second Corinthians is just, whoo, I love it. Paul is very blunt in it, uh, but we read read through chapter 3 and 4 last week, and I'm going to pick up in chapter 7, and so there's a lot in between, but we're going to read what Paul is going to say. We're going to set the definition of repentance. We're going to see how it's alive in the Psalms, and then we're going to have a moment where you can either respond, maybe you can do what hope did, actually like desire saying, hey, I need to repent, and I've never repented like this before. And so that's what I just want to like give you an expectation of where we're going. But Paul, to piggyback off last week, he says this in chapter 7. He says, since we have these promises, let me explain what the promises are. This is chapter 7. Anyone who just loves 2 Corinthians, you know that chapter 4 is all about Paul saying, hey, uh, you have a jar of clay. And God has hidden his glory in it so that you know, like, from the outside, you cannot boast because you're just a jar of clay. But the beauty is that the glory of the Lord is in you. And then he keeps going. He's like, you could be pressed on every side. You know this. You could be pressed but not crushed. You could be persecuted but not abandoned. You could be struck down, but you'll never be destroyed. Why? Because that glorious inside of your clay jar. And then he continues, chapter 5 is like, and uh, we've been given, because of that, a ministry of reconciliation. Meaning like, God likes to do peace. And the reconciliation that our city needs is not going to be done by us changing systems. It's going to be by us partnering with him, we get a message of reconciliation. That Christ is reconciling. And so he just keeps going. Chapter 6, I mean, I can go all day. Chapter 6, he's like, hey, so I get treated like an imposter but I am known by God. I act like I have nothing, and they believe that I don't have anything, but I possess everything. And that's chapter six. And then he goes, hey, since we have all those promises, everything that I just said, 
Beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and of spirit, making holiness, or, or maybe your translation says sanctification, perfect in the fear of the Lord, the fear of God. He says, hey, since all of those things are true about us, let us cleanse ourselves. Now, defilement is a funny word, and I didn't really know much about, like, I don't use that. I don't say, hey, there, there's a defilement in our sink. I don't use that word, like, very much at all. So I had to look up, wait, what does this Greek word mean? And if you go to the next slide, uh, the Greek word defilement just means uh, a ritual or moral contamination. That's what defile. And I like this um, because a defilement could mean something that was ritually contaminated, meaning like habits of the world or uh, legalistic tendencies uh, to the Jewish crowd, like your legalistic ideas, or it could be any habitual thing of your thinking or moral thing that you've done. Defilement. And then we get to say, uh, Jesus because of your promises, will you cleanse me of any ritual thing done that has now made my body anything but perfect in you? You've already made me perfect, but I have, anyone else have bad habits that your flesh still does? Anyone? So you're saying, because of the promises of God, will you cleanse me of that? Anyone else have like uh, ritualistic ideas? Like it's a habit, like when you do that or they go there, you instantly go to that reaction. That uh, That is a ritual tendency in your spirit. Do you remember spirit is like a way of thinking? Some of you are of very wrong ways of thinking. And so Paul is saying, hey, since we have these promises, I need to be cleansed. Let us cleanse ourselves from any ritual idea in my spirit that is contaminating me. Meaning, I have a bad attitude sometimes. Jesus, will you take that and change it? This is an active work. And some of you, you don't do this, and you wonder why you don't feel the freedom that he's already given you. That's that awkward paradox. You're made free, but you still don't live free. We're made free, but we don't live free. It's because, hey, beloved... Let us cleanse ourselves. Let us cleanse ourselves. I mean, this reeks of sanctification, right? Like, that is sanctification. It's so beautiful. But now that we've got this, here's the definition of repentance um, that I see throughout Scripture, especially as someone who wants to maintain this uh, Abba alignment relationship with the Father where I want to abide in Him, I want to cling to Him as He clings to us, like all that. Repentance is asking God to change our mind's perception, our heart's disposition, and our soul's purpose. And this is an ongoing thing as believers. I repent because I still have bad perceptions. I repent because my heart still has wrong dispositions. I repent because I doubt my soul's purpose. And as I repent, this is way more than saying, hey, Jesus, I'm sorry. This is, hey, this is way more than, hey, I don't want to sin anymore. This is real repentance that is sanctifying, where we say, I, Jesus, like, I want to cleanse myself of any defilement of body, of spirit. And so these three words, write them down because we're going to get into this. Mind's perception, heart's disposition, soul's purpose. A perception is how you see things. If you want to write that, your perception is how you believe them to be. Your perception is how you feel sometimes based by what you see. 
the running definition that you have. So I'm going to make sense of this. Um, when in scripture, whenever we see like Jesus redeeming someone and then he says, sin no more, that's a powerful command. As believers, sin no more. But do you realize the action of sin is, is so easy for us to think that that's all he's talking about. But he's talking about literally your perception of life is going to lead you to sin, even when you don't want to. Why? Because that still needs to be changed. So I'm going to explain it this way. Uh, I myself had a background in addiction. Anyone else? Addiction of any kind. It could be a substance abuse addiction. It could be an eating disorder addiction. It could be a pornography addiction. It could be a a control freak addiction. Anyone with me? Like uh, where we just want to end doing that which we keep doing. Addictions. So the best way that I can explain this is saying, I, God, not just will you forgive me from doing those things and help me to stop doing them. What you're saying is, God, will you change how I see things because of those? In fact, do you know that how you believe life to be has been dramatically affected by the sins that we engage in? And so as I seek repentance, I'm asking God to change how I believe life to be based on him instead of the sin. Or like what you feel based off what you see. Uh, This is huge. If you really want redemption uh, not salvific redemption, but um, sanctification, and you're really struggling with an eating disorder, like, God, change how I feel based off of what I see. Meaning when I see food, change, dramatically change how I feel when I see it. When I see a mirror, I don't just want to hide a mirror, but change how how I see that mirror. You change the running definition that you have. Some of you, you need to change the running definition of what relief is because it's not when you get the drink in your hand. That's not relief. So Jesus changed the running definition that I have of that thing. That's repentance. Because you could say, save me from my addiction. But he's like, you have not changed any of your beliefs. So change my perception, my mind's perception. But there's another one, right? My heart's disposition. That's a strange word, but the disposition is your natural order, your will of your will, your go-to tendencies, your way of arranging your day. What you don't realize is when Jesus looks to the woman and says, sin no more, she's going to have to change every way that she used to arrange her day. Like literally, she's got to change every way that she used to arrange her day because her natural disposition is to not trust people, to cover up. To, to, to use her, her body for, uh, for, to get her way, right? To control or to, to be better. Like, uh, to, to, that's her way of life. Like, there's a lot going on when Jesus says, sin no more. You're saying, change my dispositions. In fact, like, think of how many of you still order your day. And it's centered around your fear versus your faith. How many of you still order your day, you arrange your day centered around that sin instead of the Savior? Like, that's a huge, so Jesus, I'm not just asking you to help me not sin. I want, I want to stop having my go-to tendencies attached to that anymore. Like, so when someone um, acts like they did in the past, I will respond differently. That's repentance. 
I will respond differently because that person's not them. And I will respond differently. I will arrange my day, my thinking differently. I mean, think about it. Like how many of you, you make your decisions based on how close the door is and like, or how close the out is. You're literally arranging your day based off of your insecurities. And then you wonder, like, God, just help me be confident. He's like, change the order of your thinking. Cleanse me of all ritual defilement. When you walk into a room, stop seeing the differences in a negative way. Stop seeing them as if there's a reason that you don't fit in or a reason that you aren't allowed there. Start seeing them as a way, an image of God's glory because differences, whoo, man and woman, together we showcase the glory of God. The heavens are going to be filled with differences, and it's not going to be a, an exclusion. It's going to be a beauty of God's glory. Like, think about it. Like, we just got to change our natural order of our thinking. So Jesus, change it. Like, cleanse me of every ritual spirit, the attitude that I have, the way that I arrange my day based off of insecurities or fear or doubts versus you. And then the last one, uh, well, I just, I wrote this. It's a prayer of saying uh, in the disposition. I just want to make sure I say this. Uh, it's a prayer of saying like, Jesus, I'm not aligned with you when I do this. And so like, I need to change the way that I am acting I, I want to be aligned with you in this, in this action, in this thing. And it's not even about the sin problem anymore. It's just like about how I, how I am right now. Like when that happens, I'm out. And I don't even think about you anymore. So change my, my disposition. And the last one, change my purpose. And by this purpose, I don't mean like, your soul's purpose, often it's the belief of our soul's purpose, our identity, because your identity is now found in Christ, right? He has changed you. But when we, uh, when we get into purpose, what is the purpose for your identity? Some of you still doubt that there's any purpose, and it's because you haven't discovered the reality of Christ in us. Like, Peter literally says in, uh, in 2 Peter chapter 1, right? He says, uh, those who uh, do not grow in an increasing way in their goodness and add on to the goodness endurance and endurance self-control, those who don't are narrow-sighted. And they're like, they're going to be blind and they are forgetful of the cleansing of past sins. That's what Peter says. They're forgetful of it. Some of you, you're still stuck in this, like there's no purpose in what I went through. There's no purpose in what I went through. There's no purpose. Like, Jesus, will you just help me love myself? And he's like, I need you to love yourself even when you were doing that thing. Like, that's, like, there's purpose. So you're asking God, like, will you change the value of the, like, my belief in the value of this exchange, that this is worth it? Will you, will you change my ability, like, uh, to, to, to create change from it? In fact, this is where Paul says, I love it. So where Paul says, I boast all the more in my weaknesses because when I proclaim them, his strength is seen. His, his power is made perfect in my weaknesses. And so uh, this is the power is when you can actually like stand and say, that sucked. <laughs> but 
there is purpose in it because there are people around me that need to hear that I went from death to life. Hope, like that's purpose. It was, per, it was hope stepping into purpose. This is repentance, your repentance, where, where, where he says like salvation is closer today, it's nearer today than it was yesterday. Like you, sanctification happened on stage as you said that. Because you, you said my soul's purpose is not attached to who I was, but now I'm gonna see the value of what it brings to the church. That's real repentance. I, so many of you, you really do not see that the purpose of God in you is to edify his people and to make his kingdom known. And you're so stuck in, in, in how you view yourself that you won't even allow Christ through you to shine. And it's so, like, that's the repentance transforms. And it takes time, it does. But one day you will stand proudly and say, my soul's purpose has been changed by God. It's not affected by my sin. It has been changed by God. Repentance brings that. And so, like, I'm excited Band, if you guys want to come up, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to sing on us, all right? I'm not going to sing. But the Psalms were written to be sung, right? <laughs> and the interesting thing about this Psalm, Psalm 51, is when Nathan comes to David and says, hey, you've one killed a man, you've slept with his wife, and tried to hide it. And so Psalm 51 is all about repentance. But you want to talk about this last word. His soul's purpose was transformed through real repentance. How can I say that so boldly? Because he decided to let all of Israel sing about it all the time. Like, can you imagine that? Like, he let Israel sing about his adultery and how the Lord met him in it. Like, that is using that for the purpose of God. Does that make sense? Like, it's so powerful. It is. He allows this passage to be sung in all of history to bring repentance. And so the band's going to play behind me because, you know, you're supposed to sing this with like a lyre and a stringed instrument. Uh, I'm not going to sing it, but I will read it over you all of Psalm 51. Some of you have taken out the parts that you love that are beautiful and you've missed that the section right below it, literally the verse right below it talks all about purpose. And you're like, Jesus, clean me. And you miss that it's so that I can declare your goodness. And so here we go. Here, I'm just excited. David says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you alone have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you are justified in your sentence and blameless when you pass judgment. Indeed, I was born guilty, a sinner when my mother conceived me. But you desire truth in the inward being. What that means is literally God is desiring an exchange in his inward being. Where there were lies, 
where there was deceit, where there was wrong desires, where there was a a lusting after, where there was a trying to hide and manipulate the situation, where there was a control tendency. God desires truth in the inward man. Truth. And he says, therefore, teach me wisdom in my secret heart. In other words, hey, take my disposition, my go-to tendencies, take my perception and provide wisdom. Provide wisdom. I'm tired of trying to define things for my own ways. I'm, trying to define, try, I'm tired of trying to define things by my sin. But Lord, let me capture that and fill me with wisdom in my inner being. Fill me with wisdom in my secret heart. Purge me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. In other words, I want to exchange what I'm hearing because there's a lot of people who speak a lot of things, but I want to hear you. I'm going to arrange my day so that I can make sure to hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins. Blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart. Do not uh, put a new and right spirit within me. Do not cast me out of your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me, but restore me to the joy of your salvation. And sustain in me a willing spirit. Hey, this is you saying like, uh, I don't want to do what I should do sometimes. My disposition is to either hide or to act like it's good. And God, I want, I don't just want to exchange the, the bad for good. Like, give me a willing spirit to see you, to exchange things for real, for real. And then I will teach transgressors your ways. Some of you need to start teaching people God's ways. You want to showcase that you have redemption? You want to showcase that you've been redeemed? You want to showcase that the Lord is in you? Teach transgressors his ways. And sinners will return to you, to the Lord. Deliver me from bloodshed, O God, O God, my salvation. And my tongue will sing aloud of your deliverance. Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. For you have no delight in sacrifice. If it were, I would give a burnt offering, but you would not be pleased. The sacrifice acceptable to God is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. And many of you stop right there, but you don't realize what's next. Do good to Zion and your good pleasure. Rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, and then you will delight in right sacrifices, in burnt offerings, and whole burnt offerings, and then the bulls will be offered on your altar. Many of you think like, it's okay, he just desires like a broken and contrite heart. He doesn't care about what I do. That's, after he restores to us, then we want to offer him things. We want to offer it. We want to give him the bull, the best one. (laughs) We want to. So many of you are stuck in the knot. 
and you have not lived your soul's purpose. Your soul's purpose is to give to God what is God's. Just this constant, God, I'm giving you it. Giving you it. And so where are you at in this process of repentance? Where I told you earlier, it's a, hey, Jesus, change, change my mind's perception. Change my heart's disposition. Change my soul's purpose. Where are you at in this? The believers in the room, where do you need to repent? Those who are far from God and and you're like, I don't even know what I walked in on today. You'll have an opportunity in a moment. My friend Jess is gonna come up and she's gonna share the gospel with you. Some of you, can I just let you know, like none of what we're talking about means anything to those who do not know God. You want change in your inward heart? Then make the correct exchange. Scripture says like uh, the man, I wasn't planning on saying this, the man who prayed away uh, the demon, this is literally uh, Luke chapter 11, the weirdest thing. The strong demon, it's gone, it's gone. And he cleaned up his life. But when the demon came back, he saw that it was uninhabited. And so he brought seven more with him. Why? Why? Because that man did a bad from better exchange. I'll get my life together. I'll clean up the cobwebs of my heart and never replaced that hole with the savior of all, all, the God of all gods, the king of all kings. And so when the demon came back, there was no one occupying that soul. And so he's like, we're gonna have a party. I'll tell you, Jesus says, there's only one way. No one can come to the Father except through me. So Father, right now in this place, I pray just a repentance over your people. The children of God in the room that are image bearers of you, you've asked them, you've said they're good. You've said they're clean. You've said that you have washed our hearts. You have made us new. The old creation is gone and the new has come. But God, you also say, now we live in this in between where we have the opportunity to take what you have begun and partner with you as it is tended, cultivated, multiplied. So God, cleanse us of our defilement of spirit and of body. God, what perceptions need to change in this room? What dispositions need to change in this room? What understanding of our purpose needs to change in this room? And not so that we stop doing the bad things, but so that we are aligned with you on all areas of our heart. May your people turn to you in a time of refreshment come. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.